it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you bundle your renters and auto insurance with Progressive, you could save money. But it doesn't cover any terrible memories living rent-free in your head. You remember that time you were singing in the shower? And then you heard a knock on the wall? And then you realized that your bathroom shared a wall with your neighbor's bedroom? And all you could do was stand there silently, thinking about all the other things they may have heard in the four years you've lived there? <sighs> yeah. Good times. Sorry, we can't save you from that memory, but we could save you money bundling your renters and auto insurance with Progressive. Coverage from Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Renters insurance and bundle discount not available in all states or situations. Aston Villa nil, Everton nil at Villa Park on Thursday evening. And maybe actually, absolutely the end of Everton's European hopes. We keep saying it, but things keep happening in this mad season. Um, I'm here with Mark Mosey. We've just watched it. Um... I know it's a weird one, Moe, because I think in some aspects, tonight a lot of aspects, we were probably a lot better than we were at West Ham on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, but just when the game was there to be seized and when Villa were dropping off a little bit and when we, we had those opportunities, we just made the wrong pass or, or shot at the wrong time and just weren't quite good enough in the final third. Mm, it's just, I think at this stage now, it's just dishearteningly predictable. Is that We just haven't quite got that that cutting edge to to win the games like we did at West Ham, but on a consistent basis. And I, you know, I get it. We're not we're not really that team yet. But when you know the the caliber and the quality of the players that we do have in particular moments, it's just it's so frustrating when they're not able to put that together a couple of times in a game or a couple of games in a row um, in a season that we've consistently said all the way along that if you are able to put runs of three or four games together and get 10 or 12 points out of them, then you're going to go a long way. Uh, and at the point now in the season where there's only three or four games left, it, it's exactly the, the crucial moment for Everton to, to act if they, if they do want to leapfrog some of the teams above us. I mean, to, to come away from, from that game now, I think go, going into the last four games of the season earlier on today, if you'd have offered most Evertonians that sort of situation at the start of the season whereby... If you go away to Aston Villa and win, yeah. then the last three games are in your hands for European qualification. I think we'd have all taken that. It's a, it's a little bit disheartening now to to come out of that game and think, well, we're looking around at teams who are ultimately better than us in, in Tottenham and, and Liverpool. And yeah, I know West Ham are up there, but 
I've, there's no real confidence in me that Everton are going to be that team that usurps someone else, one of those European yeah. places. And I think that's the, just the summary of, of the side that we've got in the moment at the moment and that we can look brilliant as we've seen earlier on in the season, but we are still a couple of major players away. I think in, in games like tonight where the pace is not necessarily frantic, um, a lot of the attacking players had a little bit more time on the ball than you'd usually expect. Um, we both said that it was something that, that really suited a player like Andre Gomez coming on because you're not asking them to, to do a great deal of, in terms of legs. But when you are in real crucial moments on the pitch, you do expect the, the right ball to be played or, or the right shot to be taken. And I think you saw that when he came on. You know, exactly. he, he missed a great chance to pass to Richarlison. Yeah. Effectively, what would have been a, a straightforward opportunity. But, in, you know, if you're thinking, every, well, Gomez was okay when he came on, but yeah, if you bring yeah. it on Rodriguez in that, that situation, you know, mm-hmm. it's... And you saw the difference someone like Grealish made for them when he when, when he came yeah. off of Villa, you know, just drawing players and opening up open the space up and mm. in a game at the end of a, a long season where both teams just looked a, a little bit goosed. Yeah, it was there, wasn't it? As yeah. you say, it was for the last twenty minutes and we we've consistently said that when the when the impetus is on Everton to go and, and take the game and and really just dominate in their third for the last fifteen or twenty minutes. We we do we do struggle. Um, the only real shock for me tonight is that Aston Villa didn't score from that free kick at the end because that's <laughs> that's just how Everton in these key uh, moments of the league. I was going to say. I was going to say chat about that for the end. Um, <laughs> no, actually, I will do because I'm still not to simmer down about it. Yeah, might might have to put triple E's for explicit on this. Uh, on this, but I mean, what 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 did you make of the approach overall? You know, it was a game when. Not much happened really. I think in the first half we sort of expected, mm. well, we got what we expected in regards to it was just keeping in the game, keep it compact as we've done, you know, all season away from home. And then I think what was always going to be interesting for me was that what we were, we were going to do when it got to sixty, when it got to seventy five, and I think that the changes were positive about being Gunko. You know, yeah. already mentioned there about Gomez making a bit of a difference when he came on. Awobi was. All right, the times when he came on, offered a little bit more than Seamus Coleman, who wasn't quite at it tonight. I mean, were you looking at Everton there at any point and thinking you've still got three centre backs on the pitch? You need to, you know, Josh King doesn't get get on the, the pitch at all. Yeah. You know, I think it's quite clear by now the manager doesn't, doesn't fancy him. I mean, did you think Everton went for it at the right times tonight and were quite pragmatic at the right times tonight or not? I, I do get the reluctance in terms of, I, I think instinctively you, you get to the hour mark and you automatically, as a football manager player, think I'm going to hook one of my centre-halves here <laughs> and, and get a striker on. But I, I do get the reluctance in terms of tank, tinkering with that back four or five, whatever it, whatever it is at any given time, because that's probably the one area of the team that consistently functions. I think in particular, Ben Godfrey kind of holding all that together. Um, but the... The changes that we did make, Gomez coming on, um, Alex Awobi kind of, it, it was a customary like for like, but yeah. the player coming on is slightly more attacking sort of feel. Um, I think it, there's two ways in, in that when you go in and, and sort of as a top six or seven team approach going away to a mid-table side and you either decide that you're going to start sharply, you're going to keep possession of the ball, you're going to try and nick the early goal and then dominate throughout I think you've got to have a, a certain level of know-how to be able to do that. That That's exactly the type of performance that I imagine a Liverpool or a Man United putting yeah. in tonight at Aston Villa. I think Everton have got to be 
as you say, a little bit more pragmatic about it. Um, it. It's not necessarily as negative as purely staying in the game for the first hour, but I think you you do earn your right to control the last half hour of, of the game. And, mm. and clearly, if, if that is your approach, then your substitutions are going are gonna to play a massive part in that. Yeah, we, we probably are one really gifted player in Hamas Rodriguez away from, from really being able to push on tonight, but... I still feel like there was enough there in in Richarlison yeah. and Calvert Lewin, and and yes, we've asked those two players in particular to to do so much and play so many minutes this year. But it, it there's always that sort of the question mark about mentality and attitude with Everton going into those into those pressure moments, and it it, it is frustrating. It's something that you feel like Ancelotti has brought to the side in in, in particular in away games this year, but. Going away to a mid-table Villa side who arguably have nothing to play for, that's for me akin to some of the home games that we've had this year against weaker opposition. And when the I don't think the performance was in the same bracket as the, the home game or like Burnley or Fulham. No. Probably not because I think playing away generally suits us more. Yeah. I think arguably if you asked Everton to be more on the front foot and have more possession of the ball tonight, you probably see weaker results. Yeah. In, in essence, it, we're very similar to the West Ham game at the weekend, albeit we took a, a really clinical chance. We're a couple of yards from the core race past the Calvert Lowe, and if if that's a couple more yards in field, if Calvert Lowe's touch is a bit better, God forbid, if the if the Aston Villa goalkeeper comes and cleans him out, then we're all talking about an Everton team who've who've done a a really pragmatic job on Aston Villa, and and they are the fine margins, but at the moment it just feels like. Everton are leaving a little bit too much to the flip of a coin. Um, yeah. Arguably, the West Ham game was in a similar mould to that, but I think the coin is not just falling our way at the moment. Yeah, well, I think yeah, I think that's I can understand why he sort of done that because it's it's ultimately something like a tactic that's yielded eleven away wins for us this year. Yeah. So I can I can understand that, that you know the the willingness to be pragmatic and the willingness to trust that the method that's got us you know great results away from home. But yeah, and I, and I think in, in the latter stages of the game, you know. I mean, they'll probably talk about the first half because nothing happened. Ming slashes ahead a while, but in the in the last stages of the game, it sort of felt like we got into to good positions, and then we would have that one player away from finding a pass, or you know, Dom and Richardson got the ball a lot with space to run into, yeah. and when you you know watching them two carry the ball forward at times is, is quite awkward, isn't it? It's, yeah, you know, it's yeah. not really either mm-hmm. of their games, and you know, I think the Corey had sort of us in midfield in that regard. He he was getting forward, but. It just felt as it is in those moments that while we, we carved up the odd chance, you know, I, I mean, the one with Gomez probably sums it up perfectly for me in, in the sense that it's a really nice bit of play from him on the edge of the, the area. You know, he sends a couple of Villas, uh, Villa players, uh, slide tackling across uh, the pitch, and then he's got an easy ball into Richarlison. He, he skews a left footed shot over it. It just felt like we had. Well, having loads of clear cut chances, it felt like we had loads of chances to make clear cut chances that yeah, sort of yeah. arrive. That makes sense. I think it's ironic that you the the moment that I thought about when Andre Gomez chopped back onto his left foot was the Gilfie Sigerson goal um, when he sent Jack Wilshere oh, back in. West Ham, yeah. And I think if there was one major decision, I think Ancelotti, in hindsight, would probably change going back a couple of hours. You'd probably start with someone like a Gomez or a Davis mm-hmm. in that role, be a little bit more workmanlike, and then if that is your game plan to try and unlock it in the last half an hour, that's where you bring someone like Gilfie Sigurdsson on. Uh, we saw it happen. The game that comes to mind is is a Bramall Lane this year, whereby 
we kind of do that laborious hour and then we allow someone like Sigurdsson to come on and, and win us the game. You put him on the edge of the box in that situation, albeit maybe not on his left foot, but my general point is that he's got that know-how in front of goal to find that pass to there Richarlison. Couple, there were a couple that landed to, to Gomez, wasn't there? There's the one yeah. that Richarlison got on the right and he pulled it back, didn't he, to Gomez? And yeah. the shot was, you know, it was blocked well by the defender, but it wasn't a great effort, really. Guilty Sigerson at Anfield, it, that, yeah, that yeah. was the goal, wasn't it? Where he just he manages to slide it into the corner as opposed to two yards inside the post. And, and they're the fine margins that you expect players who cost £40 million to be able to, to turn for you, but... Yeah, we, we are still a couple of, the, of players away. Um, I honestly don't know how to how to pitch this in terms of positivity because I'm, I'm still thinking about if you took me back to August and offered me the three games that we've got, albeit one, one an incredibly difficult one on paper, but we've got home games coming up in the next fortnight that really should propel us into a a really meaningful position in that top seven and and quite frankly if we're not going and getting six points out of those two home games then we, we don't really deserve to be to be talked about in that ilk I mean if, if, if anything is certain in this Premier League with three games left teams above us are going to drop points um, they're, they're, they're not all going to take nine or twelve from their remaining three or four games yeah. so it's important that, that we are there but the the prospect of having the Wolves and the Sheffield Knighting games coming up albeit with one of them with fans left in the stadium it it, it, it doesn't really fill me with, with great confidence <laughs> but I think the Premier League games are just like that at the moment and that you don't know what, to get, what you're going to get from your next 90 minutes yeah I mean we could definitely do a beat Sheffield tonight at 10 nil at the weekend to get our goal difference up because that looks like it's uh, that's ultimately what's separating us and Spurs at the moment um, yeah you know you know, ultimately, if we're being realistic, we're gonna we're gonna have to better their results haul between now and the end of the season to get Europe. They've got Wolves, Villa, and Leicester away on the last day, so um, you know, not straightforward fixtures by any means for for them. But obviously, we've got that City game, which sort of looms large. Liverpool about to kick off as we record this, so who knows what what's happening with them? If, if they lose tonight, then we're only still a point behind them, and then West Ham two points behind them with uh, the same amount of game. The, the one positive from all this is we don't have to ever say we've got a game in hand play against Villa ever again. Yeah, we've got a game in hand on Arsenal behind <laughs> us so that, 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 I am clinging on to that but yeah, that's the worry now is uh, Arsenal Arsenal leapfroggers and, and we finish ninth. I think they've got Brighton and Palace their last two so well, winnable, games, winnable games for them. West Ham have got Brighton this weekend mm. and so they've they're all down the bottom anyway yeah, because yeah. I, think, I think they remember them talking about um, oh, yeah, pushing being the, top the, four. the hardest fixture they've got they've got left uh, yeah yeah um, but yeah I mean we all, I mean the big chance was Dom wasn't it the header at the yeah. back post really um, you know when he when he went up in the air for it the very first thing that flashed through my head was that Merseyside derby goal in, yeah. in October and you know I think in one breath I was you know watching it there and saying I, I was like he should, should bury that but in the same breath, I suppose you can't really say how great a header that was in the base side derby and how difficult mm. it was. And say what a what a leap and finish that was, and then say well he should have actually scored that yeah. one tonight because you know it, it was a hard chance. He got up really well, but um, you know their keeper had a good game. Didn't need to be fair. Yeah, he's been a great sign, and we said that during the game. Um, the Calvert Lewin move that the, the chance doesn't end there. Is that the one where Alan sort of spoons one over the yeah. bar as well? And I think that you're again going back into the issue of having just a little bit more of a clinical edge in that midfield if it does fall to a James or a Sigurdsson then, then that's your moment but I mean you, 
it almost feels as though we're, we're clutching at these kind of what ifs in in the key moments of games, but it, it it's one of those games, isn't it? It, it? it very very easily, if either team would have scored beyond sixty minutes, and I think it would have been a write off for the for the other yeah. side. But I don't know. We're still uh, going into that that Sheffield United game, which which comes up next, and if if we are to get three points from that, I guarantee that someone else is gonna is gonna drop points. So much of me looking at some of the players that frustrate me, and so so many of those players that I I don't necessarily want to be involved with Everton going forward. When when you do take that into account, you do think, well, we we probably are on the the cusp of where we kind of ought to be or yeah, where we deserve yeah. to be. Other than West Ham, I think the 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 league table has has formed a a pretty pretty normal looking shape, hasn't yeah. it? I mean, it's. It, the the thing that really worries me now is is the games coming up. I, I just I just really don't feel like we're we're a team who are capable of being clinical at key moments, uh, and be that in individual moments in the game or in the season on the whole. So, I'm I'm fully ready to be proved wrong. And <laughs> I think Ancelotti has has been quite bold in the latter half of this season. I think certainly in terms of his vocals about how much he kind of expects this team to finish in European places. And I think it would be a major disappointment for him personally if he's not able to, to get the team over the line, which is which is ultimately the reason why we brought him in. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm looking at our fixes, obviously. I'm not writing City off on the last day by any means because they've got a big game caught up. They've yeah. lost, lost a few games at home recently. But, you know, if we're being honest, to get seven points... To get seven points from those games, it's going to be tough, isn't it? It's going to be really tough, but mm-hmm. um, certainly given our, our home record. But um, are you ready to talk about Tyrone Mings and Martin Atkinson? Yeah, it's quite the tackle, wasn't it? <laughs> I mean, it, it was more to me the um, coming the fa- back on. Oh my god, goodness <laughs> me! So the tackle first. I mean, it's, it's just a red card, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I mean, the the tackle is horrendous. I think that it, it's cynical in a way that he knows that he's breaking down a really positive move, but. I think when you see the shape of his foot and the area of Calvert Lewin's leg that he makes contact with, that there's obviously no shock that VAR look into it. But I think as the the Sky Sports commentator has rightly said, I think the only shock was that it wasn't pulled back for further action. But as as you mentioned, the the point where Mings clashes with Martinez in his own six yard box. I mean, I'll I'll say now that if there is a rule that means that if you if you collide with your own play so you don't have on, to go off. That's what they said on Sky, wasn't They kind it? of yeah. insinuated it, didn't they? Yeah, but I think the the most obvious Everton moment of the whole season was the fact that Mings was going to stay on the pitch, <laughs> leap above everyone to head it away, and then the only shock, as we said, you're watching the game, was that he didn't rise up in the in the opposition box and, and put one in the back 90, of the net. 90 10th minutes or whatever it was. But, um, yeah. yeah, just, I think Alan, that was another op- opportunity for Alan that came from that long throw in, which he, which yeah. he managed to put over, but I think he was he was already bubbling with rage that, that he was the one who spotted that Ming should have been off the pitch. But I mean, I said, did you just have to throw it? No, no, someone, should, someone just got us pointed at him and said, you know, and like got full clarification from the ref and said, what, what is this fella doing on the pitch? I, I mean, yeah, I've seen, I've, I've been to a lot of matches down the years and seen a lot of players injured, and some of them I'm sure I've been with. But I've never seen a player go back on after receiving treatment like that. I think the the only situation that it's allowed to happen is if the opposition player is booked for for the goalkeeper, on you, yeah. or if you're a goalkeeper. So him coming on was fine, but um, it just 
it, it that that is so May Premier League, isn't it? The the referee just clearly <laughs> just knows yeah. both teams aren't capable of being relevant anymore. Let's just crack on and go home. But yeah, very frustrating. Uh, final word as well for Felder's man of the match tonight. Every week, guy. yeah, man of the match <laughs> every week. Yeah, Ben Godfrey. Uh, this time playing on the left of a um, of a back three. Um, just watching Allison nearly gift a goal to, <laughs> to Edison Cavani there. Went wide, but um, yeah. Um, <laughs> What can't this lad do? He's he's just, he's absolutely ridiculous footballer, isn't he? Um, yeah. He's just a mainstay in the team now. Great moments, I think, later on, which I thought showed his maturity when Greenish got the ball and was just going across the box and you're thinking, don't put a foot out, don't put a foot out. And he just stayed with him, just didn't dive in, shepherded him all the way out and I think we ended up getting a goal kick from mm-hmm. him or something. He's, he's just, he's got so many attributes and as much as they were falling over and potentially going to play for England um, in, in the summer here on, on Sky, obviously we're more in, more interested in at Everton in the season he's had as Everton but I think if you know if someone had said to you when we signed this lad at the start of the season that he'd be where he is in regards to his development and his importance to the team mm. you'd be very very surprised yeah the, the good point that you're making that I think certainly from a media point of view and obviously with so much Euros hype coming up now is that he's kind of breached that point of recognition with yeah. the wider footballing world hasn't he I think everyone's starting to realise Primarily just how good a one-on-one defender he is. Um, granted, there's not a great deal of world-class attacking threat in that Aston Villa team, but so often you see someone square him up. I think Wilfred Zahar's done it a couple of times a season. Mm. And players in that ilk who, who thrive on knocking the ball past defenders and, and legging them for 20 yards, you just can't do that with someone like Ben Godfrey. I think his, his strength, his intelligence, his know-how, the, the thing that I really liked about him in the last sort of dying minutes of that game tonight is that he really went full John Stones against United at <laughs> Wembley when he just thought I'm I'm gonna have to do all of yeah. this myself. Picks the ball up and intercepts on the halfway line and he's got that know how to know when, yes, to spread the easy ball out to Luca Dean or to pass it on to a midfielder. But if there is space in front of him and that and that that area to charge into and try and drive the whole play twenty yards forward. He does do that in a, in a way that Michael Keane will kind of look a little bit more awkward, especially the back three. You've got that extra yeah. license that haven't you? Because you've got the, the yeah. two others next to you. He's just got he's got that intelligence to sense when a little bit more is needed from a ball playing centre half like him. Um, it, it's bizarre to you couldn't really pin ball playing centre half on him as a as a description because he's so good defensively that everything he does on the ball kind of takes a back step, but. He's just such an, an almighty all-rounder. Uh, and as you say, in terms of his placement in, in this squad, to to think now of an Everton team going into next season where he is not involved every week sends shivers down your spine. Um, I'm, I'm quite happy for him to be omitted from the England squad for, for so oh, many obvious reasons. Give me Eric Dyer toiling against Scotland <laughs> all day. Just keep him away from that circus, yeah. But My yeah, God. crucially important that he is central not only to Everton's plans next season but central in terms of that defensive position next year I think we, we've obviously used him at times to plug gaps at, at full back this year and he's done an excellent job at both left back and right back at times but he, he's that vital now in his key position and his best position at centre half that he's, he's clearly the first name on that team sheet I, I think he's better in a back three so to get, yeah. I think, he, I think it's, it's good for him to so maybe in like a similar way to you know you look at Alan and say you need someone there as like a bit of support and yeah. obviously Godby's played well as a centre back pairing but I just like that that he's got that 
license to be aggressive and like go yeah. and win the ball when he can't mm-hmm. carry the ball out like you said you know whereas I think if you're playing next to someone like Mina or Keane as part of a centre-back pairing you, you can't really do that so much can you? I think arguably a lot of our central defenders aren't necessarily that kind of gung-ho ball winner yeah. I mean I'm categorising Ben Godfrey as a little bit sort of you know stereotypical central defender last man throwing yeah. himself in front of everything and I don't necessarily think it's like that he's he's a whole lot more refined than that but if I think about central defenders like Michael Keane and Mason Holgate you, you don't necessarily see them in the same ilk as being the one who who does push out to Grealish and yeah. force them across the, a pitch does go and attack the ball they're not necessarily as aggressive as him and I think you do need that sort of stereotypical leader in key areas of the pitch it's something that that idea of that captain's mentality and that leadership and sort of throwing your body at things that's something that we've consistently said that Everton are lacking in recent years but God, when he's on the pitch, we're not lacking any of those things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, final thought. Then are we gonna are we gonna do what you think, Europe? Uh, no. My, my heart says yes, but th- th- there is absolutely no previous to suggest yeah. that we're capable of that. And yeah, you know, I, I don't want to say those things. And I think that it it would be a massive step for Ancelotti because I think he. he he has identified that this team needs stepwise progression. Yeah. Um, finishing in whatever European competition that's just been made up is the first <laughs> rung on that ladder. I think what whatever happens this season, Ancelotti's target for next year is way above and beyond where we've been. I think he, he realistically looks at finishing fourth or fifth yeah. next year. And I think that, that the healthy thing to do is to get that European experience in the, the the Europa Conference and kind of build that progression to regular Champions League yeah. football. I think when when you do go from a what could potentially end up being an eighth or ninth place finish for Everton this season to then go and expect your team to finish yeah. fourth or fifth sounds a little bit unrealistic. Um, so not to end this on a totally traumatic note, but just all of the Everton history that I hold means that we, we, we don't quite have enough to get over the line. Well, as we said to you, look at Miss Liverpool have, have conceded that. We're going to do it. Own goal from that Phyllis blessing. Well, like he boosted that one into the back of his net like he still got his work boots on from today. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, not a good start for the Reds, but a long way to go in that game. But yeah, uh, we'll wait and see, of course, from an Everton point of view. Uh, cheers to Moe's for joining me today I uh, hope you've enjoyed the show uh, fingers crossed it's still some of the salvage for the season despite that frustrating result tonight uh, can they finally win it over against the worst team in the league on Sunday <laughs> oh my god surely they can bring on City away <laughs> but yeah cheers for listening and we'll speak to you again soon Northern Tool and Equipment isn't just a store it's a problem solver's paradise fully stocked with the right professional grade tools and fully staffed with experts who have the right answers Problem solved. Northern Tool and Equipment Summer Sale is on now. Stop in and save up to 50% on pressure washers, sprayers, generators, fans, lawn and garden equipment, and more. Hundreds of deals in store or at northerntool.com. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. 
That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.